0: It is Wednesday, November 3rd, and this is the K-O-L-L Weekend Review. What is going on? As always, I am your host, on Sigs. I got an hour conversation in the chambers right now with Blake Bottles and Tony Romo Arigato, Mr. Roboto. So we are going to kick it over there to that three-way right now. All right, welcome into the podcast. I got my boys, uh, Blake Bottles and... Um, Tony, Romo, Arigato, Mr. Roboto on the podcast with me here today. We're going to break down uh, what happened here in WeGate in the KLLL.
1: Hey, thanks for having us, Stefan. Thank you. Certainly,
0: certainly, gentlemen. So let's start off with uh, – let's go with the big upset. Austin 316, 152.02 defeats Devante's Inferno 120.8. Um Austin three sixteen really just I mean maximized the uh the quality of his lineup this week. Uh finally had that big breakout from AJ Brown. Um what do you guys think with uh Derrick Henry going down, the Tannehill AJ Brown stack? Do we project this to uh to to continue or um our teams gonna be more focused on stopping that situation from happening?
1: Yeah, I think uh the the Tennessee Titans will have a more I mean Derrick Henry's got a shitload of volume. I mean every week in, week out um like unprecedented volume. Um so, you know, I think um obviously there are more touches for AJ Brown, but I also I don't think teams are going to be stacking the box as much. So, um yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure too much changes as far as uh AJ Brown's points. I still think, you know, he's a boom guy. Yeah, yeah I agree there. Um, uh, the the problem
2: I see with Devontae's Inferno is, you know, Derrick Henry was just the most consistent guy there. So uh, when you look at the running backs, when you're talking about the uh, the issues that they've had with some other guys, it, you know, Melvin Gordon's a prime example. I, I don't really see him as a consistent week in, week out guy. You know, I think uh, Javante Williams could steal some points from him. So I, I feel like that running back position is is hurting right now. And we could see some weeks like we saw uh, going forward, especially with Russell Wilson out as well.
0: Oh, well, uh, yep, Derrick Henry will miss the remainder of the fantasy season at the very least. So that does hurt Devante's Inferno. He didn't make that trade for uh, McNichols earlier today. But uh, time will tell. Tony, what do you think about Adrian Peterson in this offense? Is this legit or uh, is this uh, a little more smoke than
2: fire? It'll be interesting to see uh, what happens here. Granted, he wasn't the same guy uh, with the Lions and with the Redskins that he was well, back Washington with the Vikings, but he was yeah, or the Washington football team. My my apologies, but uh, he was old. Uh, he has the same makeup as Derrick Henry. It's just so I think he's a good fit as far as what he's going to do. It's just whether or not he's the same Adrian Peterson that we saw even a couple years ago. You know, I don't think we can see, we're going to see the same guy from 10 or so, you know, but uh, what does he have left? And, and that'll yeah. be the, the big question.
0: I think the situation with Adrian Peterson is going to be, one of those guys that if you need two yards, he's going to get you two yards. But if you need four
2: yards, he's going to get you two yards, you know? <laughs> that, that's a fair point. Well, that's fact. a fair point. I think uh, the the big thing from a fantasy standpoint is uh, if they if they throw the ball to him and if they give him the same usage or if they look at him as a 36-year-old running back and, and truly split the carries. I think uh, Sunday – Probably the next two weeks will be the up. most interesting with the usage of Adrian Peterson, because I think we'll get a, uh, a good insight of what the Titans actually view him as.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't think we're going to get anywhere close to uh, the old Adrian Peterson. But in terms of what they need, I mean, McNichols is more of a pass catcher. He's not really all that much of a, a downfield runner. I think Adrian Peterson's going to give that to him. Uh, I, I hate the Titans, but Adrian Pearson's cool. Okay, the Thick Dicks defeat the Atlians one sixty point one to one forty four point two eight. The Thick Dicks got good games from uh, Daryl Henderson as always, and Core Daryl Patterson continues to get it done. Uh, Blake Blake Bottles. Cordero Patterson, now that Calvin Ridley is, for all intents and purposes, done for the season, do you think Cordero Patterson's ceiling is even higher now that he is gone?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting, and I know you guys talked about this on the podcast last week, um, but just how weird it is that Cordero Patterson is like fantasy-relevant. Not only fantasy-relevant, but he's putting up numbers each week. Um, I keep doubting him and I keep thinking like, you know, I never would have picked him up off the waiver wire just because of what I've seen in the past. And every week um, he just keeps, you know, uh, putting up numbers and numbers and I'm waiting for him to fall off. So yeah, I mean, as long as he stays healthy in this Falcons offense for whatever reason, um, you know, I think more value volume, his way is only going to yield more results at this point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Certainly, absolutely. Uh, a big hit for the Thick Dicks this week. Aaron Rodgers is going to miss probably the next two games as he has tested positive for COVID-19.
2: Um, uh, Tony, Jordan Love time, baby. It's a very exciting time in uh, Melonheads Nation where we get to see what uh, Jordan Love can huh. do. So Sunday will be a big day. Absolutely. Um, Tyler Lockett got it done with Geno Smith, which was kind of
0: surprising um, for most people around the fantasy worlds, including myself. Always a volatile player. You never really know. Boomer bust. But really, with Geno Smith playing quarterback, unexpected, but Geno Smith torched the Jacksonville Jaguars this week. Um, you want to talk about a, a player looking like a superstar, Geno Smith on Sunday. Uh, <laughs>
2: <laughs> you gotta laugh at it. you gotta laugh about it. I I don't wanna talk about it anymore. Okay. Well to his credit the, though, you have uh, to say to for Geno Smith's credit, the guy's actually been pretty solid besides that play against the, the Steelers. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's pretty much been the, the biggest flaw he's had in in two games taking over for Russell Wilson. And it's not as if the Seahawks I mean yes, the Seahawks are a good team, but they're really not. That good, like if you're a quarterback, that's not the team you want to be hopping on to make yourself.
0: I just, I just think it's, I just think it's funny after all these years, Gino, fucking Smith. All right. Anyway, for the Etlians, <laughs> Michael Pittman, thirty point six. How good is
1: Michael Pittman? Blake Bottles, tell me. Yeah, I mean the guy's a beast. Uh, there, there's a picture circulating online his dad was a former uh, nfl running back obviously and his mom is this like bodybuilding freak and there's a picture of them online standing next to each other and it's just amazing that like how good and athletic and stuff and how good his bloodlines are um he's really developing a rapport with carson wentz who Um, I give you a lot of credit for having the balls to uh, talk about how good Carson Wentz actually is doing. And even last week, he throws a key interception in a key moment of a game. Doesn't matter. It's fantasy football. Doesn't matter if they win or lose, whatever. He's still a good fantasy quarterback, um, a lot better than he was previously. Um, And Michael Pittman, you know, he's having someone to throw him the ball consistently. And uh, he's a stud. He's a fantasy stud.
0: I I want to make a little note about that that particular Carson Wentz interception. It looked horrible, and we skipped over him with Devontae's Inferno. So I'll backtrack to that. It looked horrible. However, was it actually a genius play by Carson Wentz? If he takes a safety there, the game is over. They lose. He threw a pick six right there, and they still had a chance to tie that game. Um, didn't it? No, they didn't. Yeah, they did. Didn't they tie the game? They yeah, did. They the, next
2: the next yeah. drive, Carson yeah. The other thing I'll say is that if you uh, – Bryce, what he said to Carson Wentz, and he said it was on me. So the one thing I'll say about Carson Wentz is as much as back when he was an Eagle, wasn't the biggest fan of the guy, he does take a, a lot of crap. I mean, he really has done a good job this year. And as far as that play, you know, there's a lot of quarterbacks that have made some shitty interceptions. And haven't had their head coach say, that one's on me. So I'll defend Carson Wentz on that one.
0: Hey, all I'm saying is that was an ugly-looking interception. However, he had to get the ball out of his hand. It was a safety and they lose. You know what I mean? Yeah. I yeah. honestly, it was kind of a really smart football
2: decision by Carson Wentz to throw that pick six. As silly well, as I it think sounds, that's and why hey, Frank Wright put the blame on him is because he knew he put Carson Wentz in a situation where he probably shouldn't have had him drop back that far, put him in a situation against. Well, re-
1: regardless no, of regardless have... of what happened, I mean, he came down the next drive. After throwing, uh, you know, a pick six, an ugly play, whether he meant to or not or whatever, who was ever fault it was, he came down and led his team to a touchdown drive right afterwards. Uh, and, that, you know, that takes courage. That takes a short memory. I, I like that. the Overtime pick was ugly, but, you know, him marching his team down the field like that in the final minutes to tie the game, that's, that's what you want to see.
0: Yeah, I think he's playing really well. Next matchup, the Melonheads. Uh, take another big loss, 76.62 to the DeLongles with 161.2. Not too much to talk about the Mellonheads. T. Higgins was his highest score with 13.7. That, that pretty much tells the story. For the DeLongles, however, Debo Samuel, this guy is absolutely unbelievable. It seems like they just throw him the ball and he does the rest. Uh, how high can Debo Samuel go in the future, really? Blake Bottles, especially once Trey Lance takes
1: over. Yeah, I think Debo Samuels is pretty much the guy in San Francisco. Um, I'm not, you know, totally up to date on their offensive scheme, but it seems like they really thrive off of one receiver. I know Brandon Ayuk, who I have some stock in, who's having a, you know, a very bad year, low volume. He kind of assumed that role last year when Debo Samuels was injured. Um, And that's sort of some of the speculation as to why his role has decreased. But yeah, I mean, Debo Samuel's an athletic freak. Um, I think, especially when Trey Lance comes, um, you know, I, he's going to look at someone to lean on. Uh, I, Debo, I mean, every week he's he's scoring points.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Chris Godwin chipped in with twenty-eight points. Uh, his his role could decrease a little bit once Antonio Brown does make his awaited return to the lineup. But uh, Josh Allen is handsome and good at football. Another thirty point performance, thirty-three point four six. Tony, I haven't I, I know Blake's opinion on Josh Allen. He's handsome and good at football. Tony, how good is Josh yeah. Allen? Uh in-depth analysis there from Tony. <laughs> yeah. Is he gone? I don't know. Okay, so we're going to continue. The Delongles did start Devonte Adams, which is boneheaded because he we knew he was out for at least a couple of days before he played. Uh, the, that is what it is. He got the victory, doubled up on the Melonheads. Nick top, Greg bottom defeats the Long Island Beast one sixteen point seven four. We just lost Tony, by the way. Hopefully, he makes his way back. The Long Island Beast, 98.98. I always like when it's the same number before and after the dot. That's pretty cool. It is. Um, fun times. Tough, tough for the Long Island Beast. Patrick Mahomes is not playing well. And that kind of correlates with uh, Travis Kelsey. Those are his top two picks. But really, the key here for the Long Island Beast was just playing the wrong Bills receiver. My question for you, Tony, I mean, Blake, Tony's hmm. gone. Just like
2: Tony. Hi, I'm back. He's back. He's back. We were were just trying to get rid of him. And I was in the middle of explaining uh, my thoughts on Josh Allen. So I'm very frustrated that that didn't happen. Do you want to tell us your thoughts on Josh Allen? Uh, You know, I think the biggest change with Josh Allen is his first couple of years. He was first but he was was relying relying on digs he was relying on his number one receiver and now he's become more like a point guard and he reminds me more like uh russell wilson where yes he can run but everyone's getting involved he's throwing the ball to every receiver he has the tight ends are are getting a lot of points so i think that that's been the biggest change to the bill's offense is the fact that he's grown so much that it's not What's my number one guy doing, or else I'm running? Now he's getting a couple of reads, and if it's not working out, he's big.
0: flex. He's definitely grown leaps and bounds as a passer. I believe he was like a 53% completion percentage as a rookie. He has definitely grown yeah. leaps and bounds. And really what I've noticed about Josh Allen, because I watch a lot of the Bills games. I love the Bills. I love Stefan Diggs specifically um he's just a leader the 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 respect and admiration his teammates have for him and the way he plays it really just brings out the best in his teammates and that kind of brings me to what i wanted to talk about with the long island Beast. he played the wrong bills receiver had he played the other one he would have pulled out the victory this week emmanuel sanders puts up a goose egg and and beasley puts up 21 points I believe, personally, that Beasley's production, uh, it, it kind of gets hindered by the presence of Dawson Knox. And with Dawson Knox not being there, I thought Cole Beasley had the potential for for a big game, and he absolutely did show that. My question for Blake here is, do you think Cole Beasley has this type of potential still once Dawson Knox returns to the
1: lineup? Um. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think, you know, um, kind of like Tony was uh, alluding to, um, I think the ball just spreads around. Dawson Knox has definitely developed as a, a, a good, reliable target, especially in the red, red zone. Um, but I think the ball just moves around too much there to necessarily rely on one receiver. Um, I just looked – Cole Beasley was – going into the week was a 34 ranked receiver, whereas Emmanuel Sanders was 35th ranked receiver. So um, it's so funny how both of those players were, uh, um, you know, right next to each other in the rankings and the Long Island beast went with the one and the other one scores all the points and that game could get played 10 times. And I think five times it's a big game for Cole Beasley and five times it's a big game for Emmanuel Sanders.
0: Josh Allen did miss Emmanuel Sanders on, a, he had the receiver beat. It would have been a long touchdown Josh Allen just missed him, and that does happen sometimes. That's the nature of the beast. That's fantasy football. For Nick Top, Greg Bottom, Cooper Cup continues to just casually go for 100 yards and a touchdown. Puts in another 24.5. I saw something today that he is on pace to outperform Megatron's best season, which is incredible to me. Uh, For all intents and purposes, a little skinny white kid is dominating (laughs) the NFL right now.
2: Yeah, it's amazing what the uh, relationship between Matt Stafford and uh, Cup has done. I mean, we've talked about it a couple times, but it's so obvious who the number one receiver is in the Rams offense and and the fact that as we're at, what, week nine now, and uh, he's still at this level. I'm not really sure what defense is, who they're targeting, uh, if they're not targeting Cooper Cup because obviously that's who Stafford's looking at.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Something I want to note, one more quick note for Nick Top, Greg Bottom. Kenneth Gainwell goes for 2.7 points. That is not what I want to talk about. I know we all expected Kenneth Gainwell to be the, uh, the lead back for the Eagles this week, but really it was split between the three. Gainwell got all his carries in garbage time, so really he was the third back. What I want to talk about is this. The Eagles have not been running the football with Miles Sanders active. I believe Miles Sanders is their best player. He goes out and they hand it off 36 times. What the hell is up
1: with that, Blake? Yeah. Um, I, I. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I Nick Sirianni, I think it's a brilliant offensive-minded coach. Um, this whole – running back thing. I mean, I've, this is an incredibly hot take and I've been crucified for this, but I will die on this hill. I would rather, if I was an NFL coach, not a fantasy football owner, and I'm not saying what players the best raw talent, but if I was an NFL coach, I would rather have Miles Sanders than Saquon Barkley. Obviously I'm comparing the two because of the Penn state connection. Saquon Barkley got all the hype and Miles Sanders, uh, second round pick, but pretty late in the draft process, he, he moved up. He was projected more in like the fourth round, all of that off-season uh, leading into the draft. Um, but I think Miles Sanders is an incredible running back. Um, so I, 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 honest, I don't get – I don't, don't know how to justify, and I don't get how they have not given him the ball more.
0: I Yeah, it, it boggled my mind. I was lucky I have Gainwell in another league, and I was excited to play him this week. And something just rubbed me the wrong way, and I took him out of my lineup at 12.57, and I was – Thoroughly happy that I did so. I gotta love the stinker tinker. Yeah, that yeah, it was a, it was a stinker tinker situation, and it was the right move, 100%. Forever on clean dominates the Oracle, 162.32 to 78.7. One little note, uh, uh, first of all, for the Oracle, Van Jefferson is really he's coming into his own and is really carving out a really good role for the Rams. Put in another 88 yards this week. Go Gators. Uh, Go Gators! That's my guy. Um, and I know you just talked about Brandon Ayuk. He did see seven targets this week. Um, he week. is definitely on the uptick. I know he hasn't really gotten it done just yet, but um, the volume's coming. And Debo Samuel is routinely having ankle issues, so watch for Brandon Ayuk rest of the season. I'm not sleeping on him. But the big note for the Oracle this week is Justin Fields finally having a good game: twenty-five point three points. Tony. 100 yards rushing this week for Justin Fields. Is it about time? Is this because Matt Nagy wasn't there?
2: <laughs> it might just be. It might just be. I, I was watching. For the first time. Surprisingly. Matt Nagy, I was thinking that is, a, that is a real starting quarterback. I know we've talked about it a couple times about some concerns that get Nagy in the mix. Bad path, but he looks solid. Um, and uh, along with along with him, the guy I wanted to point out on the other side, forever unclean, is Michael Carter because Michael Carter with thirty three points, he, he went from a guy that, that everyone was like, "Oh, that's like a you know a young guy, get him for a couple years." Points. He's, He's a, a, one of the pro- one of the guys that are providing points for forever unclean. So. Uh, He's producing right away. Uh, So that's another person I'd like to put a spotlight on.
0: Yeah. Um, Who's Justice Bieber drafted him and dropped him for some reason. I'll never understand. Um, He's seeing a lot of targets with uh, this Mike white guy who honestly looks like a math teacher, Um, but he's out there and he's balling out. Um, The question I have for you, Blake is if, if Mike White goes out and performs well again this week against the Colts on Thursday night, how do the Jets go back to Zach Wilson this season?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, You know, I, I think, I I personally think it was a fluke and I think Zach Wilson's a much better quarterback. Um, You know, maybe you play the hot hand or something or you let Zach Wilson uh, recover more for um, or you continue to try to maybe throw away the season and get a higher draft pick. I have no idea. But I mean, there could be all kinds of situations where I feel like Mike White might remain the starter. But I, you know, I don't. Zach Wilson's in their long-term plans, regardless.
0: If you were a Jets fan, okay, and Mike White is playing well, does it make you a little bit sick? I mean, if if Mike White just keeps playing well and keeps the starting job, how does that make you feel as a Jets fan?
1: Great. I mean, that means you I, – I would think, like, if you're a Jets fan, any quarterback that's doing well, you, you'd you want to see. Like, if your quarterback's doing well, your team's probably doing well. And that's always a welcoming sign.
0: I think it's more of a – I just used the second overall pick on a guy who's not starting for me. But, that I mean, that remains to be seen. I expect Zach Wilson to have a much better career than this Mike White guy whom I, I watch a lot of college football. I had no idea who he was. Huh. Same. All right, so what was our matchup of the week turned into a bloodbath. The longest yard scores the highest point total this week, 200.1 points. Who's Justice Beaver fails to crack triple digits, 99.26. Jonathan Taylor is good for Who's Justice Beaver. Uh, The rest of the crew, pretty inconsistent. The longest yard gets 30 again from Brady and Stafford. Uh, is there a better quarterback duo in our league this year, Tony?
2: No, I think that that's the uh, gotta be the top quarterback duo. I mean, Tom Brady looks like he might be the MVP. And uh, I, to me, without looking at Matt Stafford's exact stats, this is the best season that I can think of from him. Uh, which not, I can't say to be expected because he's a little bit older, but when you look at what he's got around him, I mean, besides some of those younger years with uh Megatron, I mean, he's loaded with talent and he's loaded with a uh, offensive minded head coach and he's making the most of it.
0: Absolutely. So between these two teams, I believe every single dolphin who was played was was I think every dolphin who's rostered is on these two teams: Jalen Waddle, Devontae Parker, Miles Gaskin, Mike Gesicki, Tua Tagovailoa. Um, I'm a little. I was shocked to see that the longest yards is starting three dolphins. <laughs>
1: that is don't forget, don't that's forget crazy.
2: There's one. There's one dolphin on the uh, Melonhead, Salvin. From the, uh, the Oracle. So there's okay. one missing dolphin. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, you you pooped, you pooped on my party a little bit there. I thought we had all the time. Well, dolphins. I had to
1: rub it in a little bit. I had to rub to, it in. To be fair, the longest yard dropped him, and that's how he became available. <laughs> Thanks, that,
0: is, that is actually crazy. Yeah, I was, I was thoroughly shocked to see the longest yard started three Dolphins and scored 200 points. <laughs> Impressive. All right, so that was the K O L L week eight action. Now we are going to move into uh, a tiered rankings. We did not discuss this too much, so there could be a lot of variance on w- what our rankings even mean. Um, <laughs> I'm <laughs> so excited. I'm, I'm going to start it off because mine might be the least interesting uh, because I like I told you November first is is Christmas season for me. I went with a little Christmas-themed tiered ranking. So here we go. Um, I got the Ghosts of Christmas Future, and these are the, the two teams who are clearly building for the future. That's the Oracle at 12 and the Melonheads at 11. These are my Ghosts of Christmas Future. Very, very uninteresting and unimaginative. So here are my teams who believe in Santa but won't admit it. This is the Thick Dicks. The Long Island Beast and Austin 316, who either believe way too much in their own team or have no concept of player value and just shoot off trades at will, all willy nilly. Today, I got a trade offer from the Fic Dicks. He offered me a COVID Aaron Rodgers straight up for Dak Prescott.
1: <laughs> what?
0: Yeah, I, I took a screenshot. I was going to send it to you guys. I, I, I laughed out loud at that one. So those guys believe in Santa but won't admit it. And these are the teams who believe in Santa. Nick Top, Greg Bottom, Forever on Clean, and the Etlians. I put this, these three teams in that category because they they have teams who could get it done They just need to make the right move, and they just don't. Wink, 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 wink. Yeah, so the next tier for me, these are the guys who dress up as Santa. These are the contenders who may not have the gusto to get that championship. That's Devontae's Inferno, the DeLongles, and who's Justice Beaver. And at the top is Santa Claus. That's the longest yard he controls the league right now.
1: I like it. I like the Christmas theme.
0: All right, Tony, hit me with your tiered rankings.
1: Since this
2: league, it seems like there's a wrestling basis. I thought the need to uh, to have my tiers be wrestling based. So, the Ooh, King of the Mountain, in honor of in honor of uh, Jeff Jarrett, the King of the Mountain. I have the Longest Yard, the DeLongles, and who's Justice Fever? Those are the three teams that I genuinely feel like are... If I was going to... One of those three teams. teams. My mid-carters, I got Nick Top, Greg Bottom, Forever Unclean, Devontae's Inferno. I think they're in the mix, but I just don't think... It would have to be a perfect storm for them to... uh, to, to get in there and to win the championship. My uh, Cruiserweight, I got the uh, Beast and the Thick Dicks. Just don't see them. I mean, they win a couple games, but don't see them really in the mix. Uh, a couple things have happened to a couple of their teams. The, the uh, Long Island Beast, I think a couple weeks ago, we had them at the top. They've had a couple injuries. A couple, uh, a couple things go down that have course in that spot and my final my final tier is the curtain jerkers uh and that is austin 316 the oracle and the melon heads and uh better luck next year to those three i um, love
0: the wrestling themed tiered rankings i just want to say um tony from the bottom of my heart it's great to have a guy in the league who understands my wrestling references <laughs> <laughs>
2: Fantastic. Do the best All I right, can.
0: Blake.
1: Blake, long awaited to hear your tiered rankings. All right. So I went – the bottom is the big puppy tiers. Called them the big puppy tears because one day they're <laughs> hopefully going to be big dogs. But for right now they're just little puppies. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, was gonna, I, I had that there because I was going to start from the top to the bottom. But I made a last sweat, second uh, switch. So, you know, starting out a little bit cold, but I'll ease into it. But, yeah, the, the big puppy tier, that's the Oracle and the Melon Heads, obviously. I mean, you look at the youth on their team. You look at the, the draft picks and stuff. Uh, both of them are loaded up for the future. Um, obviously, there's a lot of risk associated with that. But, you know, both have the potential to one day, but not yet, be big dogs. I'm moving to my second tier, and this is the Plexico Burris tier. And this is... <laughs> <laughs> this is the tier that just they they shoot themselves in the foot or whatever body part that he um you know good player but you know you can't shoot yourself. Um and I have the um ET Aliens, the Forever Unclean, Austin 316 and the Thick Dicks. All these teams have shot themselves in the foot for multiple reasons. Um Forever Unclean's a sustained long shooting in the foot because he has just not made a fucking move and it's ridiculous. <laughs> Um, you know the the ET aliens. Obviously, I mean that, that the the name speaks for itself. I mean, there's been there's been multiple shootings, um, none for a while, but beginning of the season, especially. Um, awesome three sixteen. You know, does whatever. Uh, the the thick dicks were rolling, and then they they made some trade. He sh- literally shot himself in the foot uh, with the Christian McCaffrey trade, um, ruined his chances. So that's that tier. The next tier is the foot cramp tier. And I called it the foot cramp tier because they're they're close. It's like, it's, you're having sex and you're about to orgasm and you're so fucking close that <laughs> then you get a foot cramp and you, you can't finish. <laughs> and that is, that is uh, Greg Top, Nick Bottom, and Long Island Beast. And that leads me to the final tier, the big dog tier. Um, and the, these are the teams that I legitimately think have a have a shot to win. Um, and that is the longest yard. That is who's Justice Beaver. That is Devontae's Inferno. And to a lesser extent, and this one I struggled with, but I still put in there the DeLongos.
0: All right. I like it. Um, I, I almost did a, a little different. Tiered rankings and I was gonna have the the longles alone as the doobie doobie pothead smokers tier. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I I honestly almost just made a 12-tiered ranking. I almost just gave each person their own tier just to for gags, but I ran out of ideas. So anyway, so we're gonna move on now. Thank you guys for your tiered rankings. Um You can consider that your AP poll for the week uh, is those three different tiered rankings. They were kind of the same. Now we want to move on to some NFL news. Obviously, we just lost in the fantasy world Derrick Henry for the remainder of the season. So he was by far and away the RB1 so far on the year. So the question is, now that he is out, who is the RB1 the remainder of the season? I'm going to start with Blake. Who do you project to be the number one running back for the remainder of the season?
1: Yeah, I'm going to go out a bit on a limb um, and, um, get, you know, kind of pull in a name from left field. But that is uh, Derek Gore from the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, Clyde edwards lear obviously is out. He had significant action um, in the Week 8 game against the Giants. He put up good numbers, you know, 11 attempts, 48 yards and a touchdown. Um, Not exactly eye-popping numbers, but he looked very good. Um, And I think that Chiefs offense gets hot, and I think they find some semblance of a run game in him. And, you know, I think he's going to be the big surprise. There's always that one, you know, one or two guys each year that come out of left field and they overperform and – they carry it for the rest of the year. We've already seen Cordell Patterson. I'm going out on a limb and I'm saying Derek Gore for the Kansas City Chiefs. He's going to be number the number one running back for the rest of the year.
0: That I should have ended with you. That was that was a hot <laughs> take. That was bold. I appreciate that. All right. Derek Gore is uh Blake Bottles, RB1, rest of season. Tony, who you projecting RB1,
2: rest of season? Uh, I tell you what, I'm going Di- to go out on a limb. I'm going to say <laughs> Adrian Peterson. is no. Oh, my God. Oh my, God. <laughs> my, my, my RB1 is going to be Najee Harris. Uh, the reason <laughs> for that is because the inconsistency of the Steelers. I think he's going to get a lot of passes <laughs> thrown to him. Uh, I think Ben... Kinda of is at this point, he's gonna be looking to check opportunities for for Najee Harris. Uh, and they're gonna keep using them to, to...
0: Well uh, Najee Harris was I, I didn't expect to have the most obvious choice, so Najee Harris was my backup plan. But since Blake went ahead and took uh Frank Gore's grandson Derek. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and, and go with the obvious choice. And it, it's Jonathan Taylor. Uh, the guys, his usage has been continuing to climb. He's now up to the point where he's on the field for almost 90% of snaps. He's getting that receiving work and he's blowing up. He has his he has games of 28.9, 27.8. He hasn't scored under 15 points in the last five. His next two games are against the Jets and the Jaguars. Um, I think Jonathan, is going to continue to climb up the rankings. And you kind of see it as he has continued to perform, so has Carson Wentz. So uh, the the Colts need to continue to feed this man the football, and it's only going to continue to make Carson Wentz better, Michael Pittman better, and the rest of that offense better. So I I mean it may be the chalkiest choice, but I gotta go with Jonathan Taylor. Good pick. Absolutely. So um <laughs> Again, we, we went with uh, Frank Gore's grandson, Derek, Jonathan Taylor, and Najee Harris. Um, two out of the three, I uh, guess you could have projected uh, Derek Gore, Derek though. Um, we'll see. I mean, Blake Bottles is a top 12 expert in the KOL, K-O-L-L, so uh, maybe he's right. I don't know. Alright, next topic of conversation is the Kansas City Chiefs and their offense that has been sputtering. Patrick Mahomes obviously is on the downward spiral right now. The question is um, Tony, how concerned are you with the Kansas City Chiefs?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm concerned with the uh, Kansas City Chiefs right now. I thought that uh, Josh Gordon was going to be a big improvement for them, but they haven't seen to use him very well. And when you see The success that a lot of teams have had against the Eagles defense, against the Giants defense, um, and the struggles that Kansas City has had, I'm not sure how you can feel confident in them uh, going forward. All right. Um,
0: Zero being not concerned, 10 being concerned. How concerned are you?
2: Defense is concerned, maybe uh, six or seven. I mean, as far as the team, they're, they're not making, making the playoffs. This year. Year. So, I guess as far as the Chiefs, may- maybe it's a ten for Chiefs fans. But the the offense alone, it's probably like a six or a seven. But I'll say going into next week, Jordan Love, I, I suspect that he is going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay, so Tony's at a,
0: we'll call it a 6.5 on the old panic scale for the Chiefs offense. Blake, where are you at on the Kansas City Chiefs? What is your level of concern?
1: Um, yeah, it's like a three. Um, it is interesting, though. I mean, uh, this reminds me so much of the Seahawks during the years of the Legion of Boom. The Seahawks were obviously good for different reasons than the Chiefs were good but the Seahawks when they beat the Broncos in the Super Bowl lost to the Patriots the next year but you looked at that team and you're like holy shit this is a dynasty this roster like is stacked from top to bottom they're going to be good for so long and they didn't make a they made the playoffs a few times uh you know been inconsistent and just aren't that Super Bowl contender like things unraveled kind of quickly and i think you know we might be seeing that in Kansas City where you know the last 2 years they made the Super Bowl won and then lost and you looked at this team and you're like, holy shit, like they're going to be good forever. They just signed Patrick Mahomes to like a 50 year deal. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of turnover. Their whole offensive line is different. Um, you know, there, there isn't as much um, receiving help as he's, he's had. And, you know, there's just holes in the roster because they committed so much money to like specific players. Um, so like, I, I think that is maybe a little concerning um, but I, I, think they still have a lot. Like their offensive line, uh, I think they it will eventually gel. They have good players there; it just hasn't worked out. Um, I think they've almost had Mahomes a little bit, um, kind of reel it back. Um, and I, uh, you know, I, I, don't think he's necessarily comfortable with that. I think he's comfortable, kind of like a Brett Favre, just going out there um, and just chucking the ball and making plays. But you know, I, I think they're gonna get back to that. I think I. Andy, Andy reads and a, a very intelligent coach. Um, I think they have great people in their buildings and their front office coaching staff. Um, I think they're going to figure this out. I think uh, again, uh, Gore is going to be a big part of that going down the stretch. Um, you know, they're going to get the run game going. They're going to get the pass game going. So I'm not really too concerned. Like I, I don't, you know, I still think their division is very much up for grabs, and I think they're going to eventually win it. I know it's been rough so far, but I, I just think there's too much talent there for it to, you know, not be good.
0: All right, so Tony's at, we'll call it a six point five. Blake is at a three. Now I'm gonna, I'm at a five. I am a little bit concerned, but I'm not overly concerned because Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. I, I. I fucked around and said Justin Herbert was not too long ago. Uh, that, was a, that was a pretty uh, off-the-top whim kind of a take. Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. The fact of the matter is the Chiefs are actually – their offense is being very efficient. They are just turning the ball over. Uh, something that Patrick Mahomes has not done much in the past. He has nine interceptions, which is tied to the league lead. Um Unfortunately, three of those interceptions have bounced right off his receiver's hands, including two by Tyreek Hill, and three of them were on deep passes on third down, essentially punts. So really three legitimate interceptions for for Patrick Mahomes. Um, So that is kind of what's holding back the Chiefs offense really is the giveaways. Obviously the defense being bad is not helping because they are playing from behind pretty often. However, my level of concern is this. There was a blueprint kind of laid out by the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl last year on how to stop the Kansas City Chiefs, and teams are trying and often lately succeeding in emulating that formula, which is basically don't get beat deep by Tyree Kill and contain Travis Kelsey. When you are repeatedly throwing the ball to two people, and you, I mean, they, they have other guys in this offense. They just don't see enough volume to even be considered a threat. When you can just focus on stopping those two guys, and you saw it this week. Tyreek Hill had a whole bunch of catches, but his his yards per catch was not what you expect from Tyreek Hill. And I think that's the formula teams are kind of kind of going to right now is just keeping the keeping the Chiefs in front of you. Don't let them hit that ex- those explosive plays. And I have those figures in 2018. The Kansas City Chiefs ranked number one in explosive pass plays in the NFL. In 2019, they were seventh. 2020, last year, they were second. So far this year, they are 27th in the NFL in explosive plays. That is where my concern is with the Kansas City Chiefs. That is their identity. They are an explosive play. And when they are not getting those explosive plays, that's when they struggle. That's when they run more plays, gives more opportunities for giveaways. And right now they're giving the ball away. So my concern is out of five. I am concerned that they are not getting those explosive plays. And I'm concerned about the blueprint that has been laid out by the Buccaneers as being emulated by other teams. However, I'm not as concerned because Patrick Mahomes is the best player in the NFL. And I do expect this to turn around very soon, sooner than later, maybe this week, and I agree with you, Blake. I think they do go on to win this division, and we'll be talking about them late into the playoffs.
1: Excellent analysis. oh
0: uh, thanks. Okay. Um, now, right now in the NFL, there are several coaches on the hot seat. Several you can go Matt Nagy, urban meyer Brian flores uh i've been hearing some frank reich news siriani news who has the hottest seat in the nfl and how close are they to being
1: fired blake who you got yeah i mean um you know it's tough i like to go out on limbs and i like to go out on hot takes but i think this one is just like too obvious that i can't do that but it's it's urban meyer um you know, he, he obviously, like, from day one, he had scandals. Um, he had the, the whole Tim Tebow thing. You know, I know you're a huge Tim Tebow fan, but there's all kinds of – you know, that created all kinds of controversy. There was the hiring the strength coach from Iowa – that had like some allegations or whatever um, and then firing him pretty much immediately afterwards. Um, There was the team's poor play throughout the, pretty much the entire season so far. Then there was the lap dance video and the not going on the team plane video. And then the team losing all respect. They ended up winning uh, the next week in London, which I think kind of masks some of what has been going on. But, you know, I mean, they just lost 31 to seven against the Seahawks. Um, they're a bad football team, and I really feel for their fan base because um, it's such a niche fan base. And especially, you know, you being a fan in Pennsylvania of the Jacksonville Jaguars, I think is really cool. And there's a lot of cool young players on that team. I think they have a great nucleus on paper, but uh, they deserve someone better. They made a huge mistake, and I think and I hope that they recognize that early and uh, you know cut him loose and. You know, move on because I think they have a really good young core. And even though I am a Colts fan, I don't want to see them waste that. Um,
0: I I completely understand where you're getting from. I'm going to give you a little bit of Jaguars analysis though on why I don't think that's going to happen. Shad Khan is too nice, way too nice. Gus Bradley lasted too long. Uh, Gus, whatever the fuck his name is, got Doug Marone. He was there too long. He's too nice. He gives guys too many chances. Uh, I mean, I mean, Tony, you see how Tony Khan is in AEW. Listen, Shad Khan is the same way. He is much more a fan than an owner. And I think it's going to – I think Shad Khan as an owner is hurting the Jacksonville Jaguars.
2: That's what I think. Uh, I, <sighs> Undecided on the Jaguar situation. I don't think – Urban Meyer's getting fired. I think when you, you have to stick with it with one year, especially when, you know, I think everyone would agree that the, the Jaguars were a uh, rebuilding situation. So I, I I think that that one for me is a, a tougher hire or a tougher fire, I should say. <laughs> on my list of guys that I thought were going to get fired, I'll be honest, I didn't have Urban Meyer. I, I'm pretty confident I would bet that Urban Meyer is going to be the coach of the team next year. But I appreciate the uh, going out on a limb from the Oracle, making that decision. Mm. Uh-huh. It's Blake house. Oh, Right. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tony. Who's got the hottest seat? I the two guys that I have are a uh, the easy target is Matt Nagy, just because everyone wants to pick on Matt Nagy and some of the quarterback position. Uh, they've been pretty much a nightmare ever since the uh, the uh, double doink a couple of years ago. But the guy that will surprise you is, I think. Pete Carroll is on the hot seat because they've gotten exponentially worse every year since they lost in the Super Bowl. And he's very old, and I think we're getting to the point where maybe he will not be fired, but I think that he is going to be kind of forced out the door.
0: That's what I was going to say. Good.
2: I, I think he, He's
0: going to be more of a convinced to resign other than get fired. But uh, no, I totally see where you're coming from with that.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's just not been good. And you look at the last couple of successful seasons for the Seahawks, it's really been based on Russell Wilson just kind of manning the load. And I I think that sooner or later, ownership's going to see that, and they're going to start to force Carroll out the door. Well, um, I didn't have either. I did have Urban
0: Meyer on my list at number five as the, the fifth hottest seat. But I, I think... I think, again, I think both of those guys survived the season. I believe Urban Meyer will get next season as well. I don't think Pete Carroll will be the coach of the Seahawks next year, but I don't think he's going to get fired. The one guy I do not believe is going to survive this season. I feel awful about this. He doesn't deserve it. He's a better coach than what his team is performing as, and I hope he gets another chance. It's Brian Flores for the Miami Dolphins. Um, after last season, you've... Ten and six, but just missed the playoffs to to come out and be one in seven, one in eight. I mean, I do not see how he's going to survive this Uh, after winning week one and then just continuing to lose with what their team expected to have this year. It's unfortunate. I think he's I think he's a good coach and they've had a lot of close games and just just haven't gotten it done in the win column. Unfortunately, I do believe Brian
1: Flores may lose his job in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a really good point. Um, like you said, I, I think he's a good coach. Um, last year, I mean, they did not have a super talented roster, but it was it was, you know, a lot of young guys. And like you said, they went 10 and 6. And I think like they played way above expectations. They won a lot of close games. Um, and i you know i i credit that to coaching uh he's certainly he's from the bill belichick uh, coaching tree um you know brilliant defensive coach um yeah i think it really all comes down to quarterback play and the decision and i doubt it was the head coach's decision although i'm sure he might have had some say in it but to draft tua over justin herbert I, I i said it before the draft i said it during the draft i obviously everyone's saying it after the draft but That I mean, that was just a horrible mistake, and they really had tanked there. They did a quick rebuild. Uh, They really brought in a lot of talent and personnel, but you know, quarterback's the most important position in any sport, honestly. Um, And you know, they're they're just between him and Jacoby Brissett, they're you know, they uh, they can't win games with that poor of quarterback play. So unfortunately, uh, he has to face the consequences of poor, uh, poor quarterback play, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I mean, the quarterback play hasn't been terrific, but I think the real big hit against Brian Flores and the Dolphins is the performance of the defense. Uh, Because, I mean, coming into this year, they they were expected to have one of the better defenses in the NFL, and they are just hemorrhaging points all over the place. Again, it's unfortunate, but I do not see Brian Flores surviving this season. So those are our our hot seats. Um, Now we're going to close it out here. Thank you guys again for coming on to the podcast again for this whole hour. I appreciate it. Um, We're going to finish it up here. I got some – I got three three – I'm calling it guess who's. I'm going to read you off some stats, some lines, and you're going to try and guess what player I am talking about, okay? All right. All right, so I have a teammate in the top 10 at wide receiver. I'm a wide receiver, by the way. I am third on my team in targets, but I am first on my team in targets per game. I am averaging 12.7 points on the season, the same I averaged last year. Who am I? Can you say this again? I have a teammate in the top 10 at wide receiver. I am third on my team in targets, but I am first on my team in targets per game. I averaged 12.7 points on the season. The same I averaged last season.
1: I'm going to say Robert Woods.
0: Good guess.
2: Uh, Tony, I'll say as a fellow melonhead, uh, T. Higgins. That is T. Maurice T. Higgins.
0: Good job, Tony. Pretty good. Always <laughs> well, my guy. Right. Should
2: have known that one.
0: <laughs> Next one. Over the last four weeks, I am wide receiver nine. I am second on my team in targets over those four games, but that is more than the leader on 22 other teams.
1: Who am I? Michael Pittman Jr. Is he second on this team in targets? I have no idea. <laughs> okay.
2: Tony? I'll go with uh, Mari Cooper.
0: I I included this guy because he was kind of listed as a bust not too long ago. And I was giggling a second ago because Blake said his name. It's Robert Woods. Oh, wow. Ah. Yeah. He is actually wide receiver 18 on the season, which is probably about what we expected from old Bobby Bosque. <laughs> All right. I got one more for you. This is a running back. Over the last four weeks, I am RB4. The last three weeks, I am averaging over 90 rushing yards per game and have five touchdowns.
2: Who am I? Uh, Jonathan Taylor.
0: That's too easy. Let me, let me give you another clue. I have three games where I scored under three points.
1: Daryl Henderson.
0: <laughs> it's Damian Harris. Whoa. Damian Harris is the running back four over the last four weeks. Wow. I, I was shocked, too. I, I wanted to stump you guys. I'm a little bummed that uh, my T. Higgins got dimed out. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was, yeah, so T. Higgins, actually, when he's on the field, averages about a target and a half more than Jamar Chase, which I, I was really surprised to read that. Yeah. yeah. Guy gets a
2: lot of, guy gets a lot of uh, targets wish he would uh anyway i'm those, but... my
0: commissioner by over my shoulder thank you gentlemen again for coming on the podcast and uh i mean a- popping off at the mouth for over an hour it was an absolute pleasure
1: absolutely thank you uh stefan and uh mr tony romo arigato mr robato it was a uh, pleasure to converse with you this evening
0: <laughs> oh oh i i just thought of one thing that i was thinking about um uh, Blake, you pronounced ET aliens properly, and I pronounced it wrong about four other times on this podcast. So uh, maybe one day I'll remember how to pronounce it.
1: <laughs>
0: All right, boys. Bye. bye.
2: <laughs> well, that is the
0: whole effing show this week. Great conversation with Blake and Tony, as always. Love getting more analysts on the podcast. Might have a special treat later this week. A new outside uh, analyst might make an appearance on the podcast. We'll cross our fingers on that. Because here on the KOLL, we have hot takes and even hotter podcasters. Enjoy your football.